This is the Bitcoin and Markets podcast. My name is Ansel Lindner, and I'm keeping you ahead of the curve in Bitcoin. Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. This is going to be the first in a series of episodes about the strong dollar. Now, I've gotten uh, several requests for this, so I'm going to be releasing this first on Patreon and then on Discord as well because uh, people on Discord were asking for some clarification here, so I'm going to release this first here a couple days later onto the public feed. Yeah, so I'm going to go over my thesis for a strong dollar. It's a little bit of a mix of some other ones out there and uh, go from there. We'll see how far I get in this first one. Um, I just want to introduce you to some of the different schools of thought out there. All right, so Brett Johnson, he is from Santiago Capital. Uh, he has been on Real Vision a bunch, and he is the creator of the dollar milkshake theory. So this theory uh, kind of goes on this convergence, so I kind of like it for that. Uh, he talks about the Highlander and that there can be only one uh, money out there in the world, and so the dollar is going to go out there cutting heads off and then have a final showdown with gold. So he's uh, eventually a gold guy, but he thinks in the meantime it's going to be a strong dollar that kills all the other fiats around the world. So, um, And the way this works is he points out that in 2008, you know, during the first financial crisis, and even before that, well, for 50 years, the dollar was the main export of the United States, and it became entrenched everywhere. Uh, global finance uh, really consolidated onto the dollar. So uh, if you look at um, what currency most loans are created in the world with, it would be the dollar, like 75-80%. Okay, and then what kind of uh, money is held in reserves around the world. It's 60% U.S. dollar. So, um, you know, there's a huge a huge amount of business is done in the dollar. Also, pricing of commodities, um, not just oil, but many, many commodities. Um, U.S. is the biggest import market in the world. So uh, we were exporting our dollars with all of these imports. And everybody needed dollars to buy oil and buy these other commodities. So it really got entrenched. And then during the financial crisis, the U.S. embarked on this huge printing. I mean, they increased the base money at the Fed by four times, 400%. And everybody around the world thought this was going to mean a drastic inflation in the dollar. And so they levered up. You know, all of this put together makes a huge demand for the dollar. Um, and then when the dollar goes up, it's a short squeeze. It squeezes all of the emerging markets. It, it squeezes anybody with debt around the world. And so everyone flies back into the dollar. When you have de defaults, you have a contraction of the money supply, etc., uh, etc. Et and then uh, over the last, say, four years, as we've been raising rates, uh, the U.S. has changed from an inflationary force to sucking all the capital out of the world milkshake. So everyone was printing at the same time, mixing up this big currency milkshake, and then the dollar stopped, <laughs> or the, the Fed stopped. The dollar started drinking all the the capital from around the world. And we saw that with the U.S. having some of the only positive interest rates in the in the developed world and the U.S. stock market outperforming everywhere else. I mean, everybody wanted to be in the dollar and be in dollar-denominated assets. 
we were drinking the milkshake of the world. That's that's what he's talking about. So that's a uh, <laughs> Brett Johnson. I hope I introduce that okay there is a link in the show notes on patreon and i'll put it in the show notes when i release it publicly as well but uh, you can get an idea from that link he goes over his own theory <laughs> then uh, jeff schneider is from alhambra capital and or alhambra investments something like that he has the euro dollar university and his ideas are similar he concentrates more on the fact that the Federal Reserve is not central to the dollar system. I kind of think of it in my head like the European Monetary Union. Okay, so there is still a central bank of France, but it's not central to the euro. You know what I mean? So the Fed is the central bank of the United States, a domestic bank. So they play a domestic bank authority role. And the dollar system is global. There's, it's much bigger outside of the United States. Um, dollars can be created outside of the United States. And the way that happens is a bank will get dollar reserves, and then they'll, they have a 0% reserve ratio that they have to keep. So they can pyramid on that infinitely. Whatever deposits and dollars they get, they can pyramid on that in, uh, infinitely. He's saying pretty much we don't understand how this system is working, and the Fed is not in control. The Fed is following. They are just reacting, and it's all an illusion that the Fed has any control at all. So I am starting to buy into this um, because I mix it with my own theories, and my own theories around uh, the difference between debt-based money and commodity money. It's not fiat money. There's a difference, and we'll go into that here in a little bit, maybe in the second second part. But there is a difference between debt-based money, fiat money, and commodity money. Okay, next I want to just read some quotes about inflation because they're really good. Oh, I closed that window. Damn. Uh, let me open it back up here. Okay, I'm just going to read you this quote. Uh, first one is by Milton Friedman. It's probably the most well-known quote out there for inflation. Even though he wasn't an Austrian, he was a monetarist from the Chicago school. And he believed that uh, all you need to do is really increase the money supply by a fixed amount, a steady amount, and you can control growth through that. So anyways, um, his quote is, Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. So he's talking about a ratio there. Um, you know, we talk about inflation being this, the more money chasing the same amount of goods, but if more money is chasing greater amount of goods, it's the ratio involved. Okay, next one. Next quote is from Mises. And this is from his book, Economic Freedom and Interventionism. And I believe this is his last book in the 70s, uh, maybe the 80s. But... I should have marked this out. Yeah, it's uh, page 123. And of course, I'll link to these in the show notes as well. Um, inflation, as a term, was always used everywhere, and especially in this country, right, and in the U.S., means increasing the quantity of money and banknotes in circulation and the quantity of bank deposits subject to check. But people today use the term inflation to refer to the phenomenon that is an inevitable consequence 
of inflation. I'll say that again, inevitable consequence of inflation. That is the tendency of all prices and wages to rise. The result of this deplorable confusion is that there is no term left to signify the cause of this rise in prices and wages. There is no longer any word available to signify the phenomenon that has been, up to now, called inflation. Okay, and then I just have my definition from my new book that I'm going to be releasing here shortly, uh, Bitcoin Dictionary. It's a primer for Bitcoin, but also uh, just to get these definitions down. Uh, Let me scroll up to it. Okay, inflation, an expansion in supply of a good, usually money, monetary expansion. The modern-day meaning of inflation has been redefined to mean an increase in the general price level, which is impossible to accurately measure. Adding to the confusion, mainstream economists have invented many subcategories of inflation measures, like consumer price index, producer price index, personal consumption expenditures index, uh, commodity price index, core inflation, wage inflation, asset inflation, etc. Despite all this, It's still self-evident that the more money chasing the same number of goods must cause some prices to increase. That's mine. And I think we all agree here that inflation is a monetary phenomenon, but it has been corrupted to mean price increases. Okay, and now time for a leading question. I think I'll end this episode here. So um, we went through these different theories and we went through some quotes and uh, now it, it ha- there's a leading question <laughs> is um, if inflation is monetary expansion which inevitably increases prices so long term prices go up okay the longest term prices go up inflation is monetary expansion and inevitably prices will increase If we aren't seeing prices increase, do we have monetary expansion? Can monetary expansion ever lead to prices not going up is the question. Because that's what we're seeing now. Sure, we have some mild inflation. But since 2008, the first eight years, we had a 400% increase in the balance sheet of the Fed. 400%. We haven't seen inflation near those levels. Um, yes, we've seen some inflation in certain stocks and financial assets, which I'll get to a little bit later uh, in a different in the next part. Um, why we see that? Of course, it's the Cantillion effect, but there's a little bit more that I want to explain in there. Um, so yes, we've seen the inflation happen in the stocks and financial assets, but the long-term effect, the end of this story, is not inflation. The end of the story, it turns out to be deflation, right? So we had the financial crisis. They pump in 400% of their balance sheet. And now the end result 10 years later is a deflationary collapse. Why is that? I thought it inevitably led to inflation. But if we did nothing right now, if the Federal Reserve did nothing and the United States government did nothing, prices would drop to zero. And we're kind of seeing this in oil right now. It hit $2 a barrel today. That is incredible. If we do nothing, prices fall. The only way prices stay up is by printing, quote unquote, printing money. So the near term effect of printing is inflation and the long-term effect of printing is deflation 
I think we need to ask ourselves is, uh, are we considering the wrong thing money? Because I agree with these definitions that we read here. I agree that monetary expansion will always lead to higher prices at the end. But what we're seeing now is the end of is deflation. So are we considering the wrong thing money here? We don't know. <laughs> I don't think people understand what the money is because we don't see the freaking inflation. The inflation is the near-term effect, not the long-term effect. The long-term effect is deflation. So that's why I think that the, the end of the dollar will not be an inflationary collapse. It will be a deflationary seizing of the market. And then they'll have to go to Bretton Woods or you know Bretton Woods 2.0. Next part, we're going to talk about the differences here between the debt-based money, fiat, and commodity money. And then I'm opening it up to questions too. So if you guys are listening to this on Patreon or on Discord, ask me a question and I'll get back to you on that. So... Anyway, that's all I have for this one. Guys, we'll see you on the next one.